Hello and thanks for coming back for episode 4 of the Gravity Digital Marketing Power Up Podcast. I'm your host Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by small digital agency owners and solo practitioners just like you. Before I get going, can I check if you've joined our Facebook group yet? I have exciting things coming down the line and if you join the group you'll be the first to hear about them as well as future podcast episodes as soon as I release them. Just check out the show notes or visit bobgentle.com and follow the link. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Roger Edwards from Roger Edwards Marketing. Roger's focus is on helping people embrace through public speaking and also delivering through his own agency, really simple marketing strategy. Welcome to the episode and let's meet Roger. So this week, I'm delighted to welcome Roger Edwards to the podcast. Roger is uh, a marketing consultant and speaker. Hello, Roger. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? Really good. Thanks for making the time for me. I guess what I quite like to do is to kick off, just tell me a little bit about Roger Edwards marketing and the kind of things you do. What's Roger's world look like? Well, Bob, I... I live in the same country as you in Scotland. I'm in Edinburgh. I think you're up in Aberdeen, aren't you? I've not, as you can tell from the accent, I'm not from Scotland, um, although I'm coming up to my 25th anniversary of living in, in Scotland. Um, my career has always been marketing. Having said that, I've spent quite a lot of my career working in the financial services industry. So I guess it's been marketing within the financial services arena um, with a few few sort of tangents along the way working in slightly different areas and therefore I've always been into communication talking to customers getting customers interested in the product that you're wanting them to consider buying and finding ways of communicating with the customer in a simple manner and and that might sound a little bit weird when I painted the background there as a financial services, um, uh, the financial services industry, because the financial services industry in the United Kingdom is not necessarily known for its simplicity. In fact, financial services is one of the most gobbledygook infested industries there is. Uh, yes. so, so you might think, in what on earth, how on earth did you get into all this um, communicating simply? And, and I guess that's just the way I, I was brought up. The, the degree that I did was very focused on communication and it, and it's sort of hardwired within me. Um, I worked within big corporates, as I call them, for quite a long time. Um, I started off as a marketing assistant, worked my way all the way up to being a marketing director, even ran a company as managing director for a few years. But what happened was, I, 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 as I say, I've always been excited by communicating simply, talking to customers, finding out what customers need and delivering solutions to meet those needs. And I was getting very excited by the development of all this digital technology. You know, I pretty much picked Twitter up as soon as it started, started getting interested in blogging, started getting interested in video. And to me, this presented a massive opportunity for the companies that I was working for to really push themselves forward and, and maybe stand out from the crowd. Again, as you know, financial services often doesn't um, stand out from the crowd. And what I found was 
massive resistance to using these emerging technologies. And obviously, there was a little bit of fear about it. Perhaps we don't want to break any of the compliance rules. We don't want to fall um, foul of the law. But there was just a genuine, no, no, we're not, we're not touching Twitter. It doesn't really fit. It's not professional. And if we do video, well, that we've got to hire in a big BBC film crew with lighting rigs and big microphones and everything. You know, we've got to do it professionally. And I just found that I was getting extremely frustrated by that lack of um, desire to implement new stuff. I did experiment with video. I did experiment with the blog and I thought it was going all right. And I guess I got to the stage where um, I thought the only way that I'm going to get really into all of this new technology is to work with companies that genuinely want to do it, as opposed to those who are effectively trying to push against it. And happily, um, I got the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy, and that gave me the ability to get out there and effectively become a consultant, um, helping businesses to use digital technology to market themselves more effectively and in a simple way that that really engages the customer. And in effect, that's what I've been doing for the last six years since I left big corporate, as they say. Um, I'm also in my spare time, if that's the right word, I'm a fitness and yoga instructor. So um, I teach at the moment, I teach seven classes a week. Um, it's been as high as 11 classes. And sometimes that was when I was working for big corporate as well. So it could get, it did get a little bit hectic from time to time. So marketing consultant by day, if you like, and fitness and yoga instructor by night. I've, I've seen body combat, which is one of the things you teach through the window in the gym. And my God, it looks like such hard work. <laughs> Body combat is incredibly hard work and I'm not getting any younger. I, I just celebrated within the last couple of weeks my 14th anniversary of teaching it. Right. And um, obviously 14 years older, my knees are 14 years older, my back's 14 years older. I do sometimes think maybe you're going to have to retire gracefully from this, but it is very good fun. I really enjoy teaching it. I mean, I've developed this style which you could almost – almost claim is is more of a sort of performance so i do get very um very busy classes and, and people um seem to like what i do but there are sometimes I, I stagger home with aching limbs and um very sweaty forehead and i sometimes think maybe it's time to focus more on the yoga but yeah it, it keeps me fit it keeps the stress at bay and it, I, for me it's a great balance between i guess the day job of the marketing work and that uh it's a bit it's a bit out there, isn't it? It's a bit different. I think also that the energy that you bring to that, it very much comes across in your professional work as well. Mm -hmm. Having seen how you how you go about promoting your own business, mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it's a lot of work and it takes an intensity of activity to sustain that that is admirable. And it's, it's, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I, I, I guess it I've, I've, I've always liked to experiment, Bob. And again, that's why, you know, Twitter comes along. I'll dive in and, and mess around with it. I remember when Periscope came along, I started messing around with that. And for a while, it, it seemed to be quite popular. It's, it's sort of fizzled out a bit now. I even dived onto Snapchat and played around with that. Um, but as a marketer, you always need to be where your customers are. Um, and if you're going to communicate with your customers, you need to be hanging out where your customers are. And 
with the best will in the world, the majority of my customers weren't going to be on Snapchat. So I sort of yeah. experimented with it. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes feel quite introverted. You know, I, I'll often arrive at a big venue or a conference or something and, and feel a little bit overwhelmed. But I, I, I do seem to be able to turn on the sort of infectious enthusiasm when I stand on stage or when somebody points a camera at me. And, and I guess that that, probably comes across in the in the podcast and in the, in the videos that I've put together. Yeah, it does. So touching on your your clients there, what does a typical client look like for Roger Edwards marketing? Well, I guess when I left the big corporate and I was mainly as I say working in the financial services industry, I suppose my initial view of my ideal client was to stay in financial services and work with companies similar to the one that I was that I was working with before but those that were genuinely interested in developing digital marketing strategies um but I actually found that the majority of those companies were similarly resistant to the technology as the one that I was working for so I o- over the first year or so I, I suppose my my pen portrait or my avatar or my ideal customer became what I would describe as a as a smaller, medium-sized company, perhaps a financial advisor, perhaps a, a solicitor or a lawyer's firm, probably a company that is a little bit unsure of what marketing really is, des- desperately wants to market themselves, def- desperately wants to promote themselves, but perhaps don't know where to start, or they've heard all of this complicated language like you need to you need to put strategies together you need to do SWOT analysis you need to do pest analysis you need to do Boston grids and Ansoff's matrices and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the four P's of marketing and they they put their hands up and think well I'm an accountant I'm a solicitor I'm a lawyer I don't understand any of that um and it and it, and it puts people off so I, I guess it's those smaller professional companies that genuinely want to promote themselves just don't really know how to go about it maybe think it's complicated those are the people that i help um and obviously i could i could deep dive into the the individual within that company who would be my ideal client but sometimes it's it's quite nice to sort of generalize it to a a small business level because there are different personalities within businesses that you have to engage if you want to put together a marketing strategy so sometimes you can't just say it's colin or it's dave you know it's colin dave and pete probably and i mean you've been quite um clear actually on what your ideal customer looks like there obviously there's a halo of potential around that um again maybe turning now to the tools and the tactics digital marketing in particular is such a broad spectrum Mm. from SEO through to podcast, through to content marketing, video marketing, um, blogging, the whole range, and then conversion, conversion strategies and CRM and all the rest of it. How do you crystallize that down into a rationale or a rational service delivery for your clients? Yeah, I think, I mean, I have to be very clear to people that I'm not going to design a website for them. I'm not going to um, roll my sleeves up and write sales copy i will do that and i have done that but i don't that that's not my main my main role i i, I would 
would be very expensive for copywriting and there are much better people out there who can write copy better than me. So I, I describe myself as the strategist. I will help you to put together your marketing strategy. And I do find that I have to avoid using that word strategy because um, a lot of a lot of companies will come and have a conversation with me and they'll say, we want, we want to up our game in marketing, Roger. Can you help us? And I say, of course I can. And they'll then say something like, we think we should be doing more Twitter or we should be doing more video or we should be doing more blogging. And my, my answer to that is always, hold on, let's work out the strategy first before we decide what the tactics are that we're going to use. And... I found very, very, very quickly that if I use that word strategy, people almost like slam the door in my face and they don't want to know about the strategy. They want to get on to doing Twitter. They want to get on to doing the blogging and the videos. That's the exciting stuff. They want to make communications. They want to talk to customers. Um, but the problem is you can't use the tactics of Twitter, the tactics of video, the tactics of blogs, unless you've got the strategy in place. And a lot of businesses today are making that mistake of being almost seduced by all these digital uh, tricks and tools that we've got at our disposal and wanting to dive into it straight away and start communicating without nailing the strategy. And what I try to help people with is that strategy part and I have to make it easier for them to understand and and and, and an engaging process. Otherwise, it, it can be a bit of a deal breaker because they genuinely want to jump into doing the exciting stuff. And, and, and I'm the same. You know, part of the reason I left the big corporate was because they wouldn't let me play with all these toys. I like to yeah. play with the toys. But I also know from a long period of time uh, as a marketer that you have to do the strategy first. And, and I, I guess... One of the problems we have in the world at the moment is this word digital. You know, I, I see people, the job titles in companies like head of marketing and digital. Yeah. Okay, so let's just really think about that. Really, the process of marketing has always been the same. And the delivery of the communications element of marketing, and we, and we can go on to talk about the other components of marketing, communication is only a very small part of marketing. The delivery mechanisms of the communication historically have been things like print, paper, you know, uh, billboards, newspapers, TV advertising, junk mail, although people who send junk mail wouldn't necessarily call it that, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and now the the communications delivery is in digital form. It's, it's an electronic, it could be Twitter, it could be a blog, it could be video, but it's still a communication. And I, I sometimes think that, well, if you've, if you've decided that digital marketing is the delivery mechanism, you've almost jumped to the tactics before you've done the strategy. It's probably not what's actually happening, but sometimes I just think, let's stop calling it digital marketing. Let's stop calling it traditional print marketing or whatever you want to call it. It's still just marketing. Um, it's just the delivery mechanism that changes. And, and the second problem we've got in the world at the moment is this whole point that you, know, you go to a marketing conference, all they'll talk about is communication. 
There'll be a session on Twitter. There'll be a session on video. There'll be a session on blogs. There'll be a session on content. Nobody ever talks about research anymore. Nobody talks about products. Nobody talks about meeting customer needs. And this is all part of marketing strategy. And I just get sometimes quite frustrated and say, Let, we, we, we can't dive into the communications until we've done all of that bit. Mm. And, and sometimes it can be quite a, you know, quite a big job to get people to understand it but actually once they do and you take them through the process then they you know they all they really get it and usually what they then start to produce from a communications point of view whether that is content or advertising or whatever does tend to be a lot stronger if they actually have the strategy in place before they get into it so i know exactly what you mean with um, the customers complaining about not wanting to really get too deep into strategy or yeah, strategy itself is a bit of a dirty word. So what words do you use to sort of get around that? It's quite interesting. I mean, you know, I, I think if you've worked for a big company, then strategy, what, what strategy will mean to you is a horrible three-month period of the year where you have to fill in loads of forms it's part of the budget process as well, probably. You'll have away days if you're a senior manager. You'll go off some off-site place. You'll spend days in meeting rooms sticking post-it notes on walls, doing SWOT analysis. It sucks the life out of you. And a lot of people have that in their head, that that's what strategy is about. If you if you come from an academic background um, and you're a marketer, um, then you know you'll you'll talk about the four P's of marketing: product, price, place, promotion. And some some people call it the seven P's. I can't remember what the other three are. And there's even eleven P's, and goodness knows what those ones are. But then you'll talk about those Boston grids and stuff. And again, that just puts people off. I'm not dissing these processes. You know, they work. And from an academic point of view, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of articles, books and this that prove that it works. It's just complicated. So my starting point is to say to people, we're going to do this without using any of that language. So if I can, I won't use the word strategy at all. Um, and... I'm actually writing a book at the moment, Bob, about this whole thing because it's probably about time I got it down on paper or down on screen, depending upon your viewpoint. So, so what I do is I, I just I just have a, a a process that I take people through. Now, again, I could have come up with some snazzy acronym to describe this. I could have called it Sprint or or Goal or something like that. But that sort of goes against my belief that everything should be simplified. I couldn't I couldn't really live with myself if I added to the complexity by creating yet another acronym. But effectively, to put together a marketing strategy, you need to have a goal. And, and it's surprising how many companies don't have goals. You know, you say to them, what's your goal? And they'll say, oh, well, we want to increase market share. Well, you know, by how much? Where do you start? Where do you go? So we, we have to define the goal for the business first. And that could be increase sales by X percent, increase profit by X percent, increase um, numbers of people on the list, I guess. There's all sorts of things you can do, but you need to put it, down and have it as a goal if you want to use smart objectives as a as a basis point that's fine again it's another acronym smart objectives was another process within big corporate used to um, wear me down yeah 
I think that definitely have um, definitely have a goal. Definitely give yourself a period of time over which that goal needs to be um, needs to be fulfilled and have some way of being made accountable to that goal, whether it's a mentor or whether it's colleagues or whatever it is. And I guess the one thing that always annoyed me about SMART objectives was the the um, uh, realistic part of it and the achievable part of it. It all, always seemed to me to make it feel as if you could you should water it down. You know, somebody would say, well, our target is £10 million. And somebody would say, do you really think that's achievable? Do you really think that's um, realistic? So, okay, well, we'll knock it down to eight. And somebody would still say, not sure whether that's... And it, it just it just feels to me as if the SMART goals thing gives you the, the, the way out. So I try to build in a sort of, well, what makes me excited about this? Yeah. You know, why would I get excited about trying to hit 10 million pounds or trying to increase my list by a thousand people so that I can invest myself and my enthusiasm into it. So the goal's the first part. And and again, it is is surprising how many people just don't have goals. You know, they're, we're, in, we're in business and we're, we're just selling stuff. Um, the second part, and this is the most crucial bit, um, is the, is what I call putting the offer together. Now, again, in the in the academic world, that's the product, I guess, or the service. Uh, and this is a real heart of the strategy. And, and realistically, all you need to do is answer three questions. The first question is, who is my customer? And you've already asked me that. Uh, and I sort of gave you that answer as the sort of the pen portrait of the, the small, medium-sized professional services firm, like a solicitor lawyer with Colin, Dave, and Pete in it. Um, but... Again, depending upon the sort of business that you run, you might be a bit more specific. You might be able to get down to a, a Colin or a Ruth or whoever it might be, and you might know how old they are, where they live, what, what sort of income they earn. So you've got it in your head as to exactly who they are and what their needs are and what their likes are. So who is your customer? Work that out. Uh, maybe do a little bit of work to find out how many of them there are. Um and the second question is, what is their problem or what is their need? Some people call it pain points. I don't like that. It, it conjures up images of acupuncture or something like that. Um, work, talk to them. Have a have a round table with them. Take them to the pub. Do a survey. Do some research. We used to do research in marketing a long, long time ago understand what it is about the customer and the needs that they have in your particular part of the in, in your particular industry whether that's whether you're a hairdresser or a car mechanic or a florist or a marketing consultant or a body combat instructor find out what it is that your customers needs are and then the third question that you need to answer is how can i fix that problem how can i solve that problem better better than anybody else uh, and I guess that's where you develop your product or your service, bearing in mind that to do that and to be better than everybody else, you need to understand your customer. Sorry, you, you need to understand your competitor, understand their equivalent product and their equivalent service and how will you beat them. And And if you actually do answer all those three questions, ally it to the goal that we've already des described, then you will have achieved pretty much everything that a SWOT analysis, pest analysis, Boston Grid, all that that um, academic stuff, all that corporate stuff, the four Ps of marketing, 
comes down to effectively setting the goal and answering those three questions. Once you've got that offer and that goal, you then move into the activity phase and the activity, I guess, is when we come full circle and that's when we start getting excited again about video, about audio, about Twitter, about blogging, about vlogging, whatever it is, the activity is the marketing communications, but you can't dive into the tactics of marketing communications unless you've got the goal, unless you've worked out what the offer is. And and it feels to me from a lot of the people that I've worked with that today we dive straight into the activity without doing the work on the goal and the offer. So that's the process I would take people through. I think you're absolutely spot on there. I mean, that does lead to a very solid strategic foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I've found since I started speaking to an awful lot of people that would potentially normally be considered my competition is that a lot of people lead with tactics, which I hadn't expected. Um, and I think that's because there are lots of different specialisms within digital marketing that that one person to take the strategic lead is often missing. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and, and again, I think it comes back to the, you know, the, the terminology we use. If you call somebody a digital marketing manager that's almost even the description of the job title is tactical in a way, isn't it? And you might have a social media manager or a content marketing manager. Um, And and again, that it's okay if you've done the strategy and you need, and and as a result of doing the strategy, you appoint those people to those positions. It's when you have those people in those tactical positions without the strategy behind them, that you get the problems that you've just described because the content guy will be off doing content the twitter guy will be off doing twitter and no nobody's actually ironed out what the overall goal is and what the offer is and therefore they're not talking about the same things so a typical engagement for you you're obviously leading with a very strong foundation in that strategic process and i love the simplicity you've got in there it is as you said it's delivering an awful lot of the traditional very academic um, process, but in a very, very well crystallized form uh, in that it's easy to understand. And it doesn't sound like a painful experience for your customers at all. Um, but once you've got that, how are you then delivering those tactics and the sort of the outputs rather than, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the typical process is once once they agree to work with me, um, and 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 I and I do get people knock me back. Let's be let's be absolutely honest. Um, there are some people who I oh, don't we just don't want to do that strategy bit, no matter how simple you make it. Then there'll be even people who say, mm, "What's all this goal and offer activity?" rubbish we want to do we we should be doing SWOT analysis we should be doing pest analysis we'll get Pricewaterhouse Coopers to come in and do that for us and we'd more be more than happy to pay them 10 million pounds as opposed to a couple of grand but um you, you will get objections from all sides but if they take me on board it, we can usually do this in a in a, in as painless a way as possible obviously over Skype is ideal or, or video conferencing some form of um, process like that yes we'll have workshops but it won't be death by post-it note it won't be death by SWOT analysis we really do focus in on trying to identify who those customers are and really trying to nail those needs and it's really just taking them through that process once we've got 
once we've got that, then then we'll we'll work more on the tactical side. Now, as I said before, I tend not I'm not the person who's going to write your arm block the websites for you. I'm not going to be the person who actually produces your videos. Although, funnily enough, as a result of some of the vlogs that I've been doing recently, I have had people say to me, "Can you come along and make a film for us?" And I've said, "Well, I'm not really a filmmaker. I just do that for fun." But we still want you to do it. So I have had a few jobs where I've gone along and done it. And um, it's been a bit weird trying to work out what to charge them because I'll say I'm not a filmmaker. But so I, I, I will help people put together the activity plan. And of course, I've got a network of people. So if they need some branding work, I know that I can refer them to Cole Gray. If, um, if they need a website building, I know that I can refer them to um, Jammy Digital, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so, so I do have a network of people and, and I could help them put together an implementation plan, a content calendar, if you like, or, a, or, or just a, good old fashioned plan to to get them going so again i suppose i'm still that quite strategic overview um almost like a um part-time marketing director i guess um so by extension you're probably working the majority of the time with partnerships yeah uh-huh uh-huh um i, I, I and and once we've done all of that, all of that strategy work, and they've got a plan, then I often just I often walk away from after that point. You know, if if they're if the company's happy to continue, sometimes I'll stay. Sort of, let's have a, a monthly two hour session to catch up, throw questions at me, that sort of thing. More than happy to do that. But I do find that my jobs tend to be. We go in, we analyse the company, we analyse the um, situation, we come up with that offer, we come up with the goal, we work out what the activity plan is, and then they go off and, and implement it. Yeah, um, it's not it's not really an ongoing relationship. Although I do have a couple of, of companies that do retain me, and we have um, weekly catch ups just to make sure that they're staying on track. The you mentioned not knowing how to charge for things. And that really was, again, looking at my audience. They're very interested in how other people do different things. Mm-hmm. How does sort of pricing usually work for you? You mentioned you tend to be project rather than retainer-based. Yeah, I, I think, again, um, you, you've you got to charge people what you think you're worth rather than what they can get away with paying. And I know that might sound a little bit mercenary, but we've also got to remember that we do live in a world now where you could go and get a brand built for you on Fiverr for a Fiverr. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's unlikely that it's going to have the depth of... um, analysis that would go behind a proper a proper branding job you know you can get articles written on fiverr you can get copy written very quickly but if you employ me you've got 25 years worth of experience in marketing marketing strategy implementing marketing plans doing it in the real world in a corporate environment and in a in a um, consultancy environment and there has to be a, a value put on that 25 years worth of experience and 
I should I should caveat that by saying I'm ne- I'd never ever rest on my laurels. Um, I never call myself a marketing expert. I definitely never call myself a guru. And if anybody ever calls me a guru, I usually pick them up on it. I always describe myself as 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 I'm learning every day. You know, there'll be a new app out tomorrow which I'll have never heard of before, and I'll need to learn how to use it. You know, LinkedIn might change the algorithm tomorrow, and I'll have to understand what that. Im- what the implications are. So none of us are really experts, but what I can guarantee to my customers is that I will continue to keep up to date with what's going on in the areas that I work with. And I think that there is a price tag that you can put on that sort of experience and that commitment to keep that experience up to date. And sometimes it's quite hard, but you actually have to dig your heels in and say, this is the price and if if we can't come to that agreement that that's the price that the customer is prepared to pay, then they probably aren't the customer that you identified that you wanted to work with. And as painful as it might be, you have to you have to walk away. Um, the worst thing you can do is say, "Okay, I'll give you a fifty percent discount." Oh, okay, I'll do it as a one off at this low price because you undercut yourself and yeah. you you undercut your experience, you undercut undercut your own value. And it's difficult to build yourself back up if you cut the price. Um, I mean, we, we're both members of the Upreneur community. And one of the things Chris Ducker always says to me is just just double your rates, Roger. Just double your rates. <laughs> um, I think prob- that might be a little bit difficult, but you should never, ever undersell the experience that you have if you can genuinely help people to build their businesses by giving them your service and your help yeah you mentioned sort of networking things like that i know you do an awful lot of public speaking and maybe it's worth speaking about that a little bit because that must be working really well for you yeah again i when i was working for big corporate i did a lot of public speaking um obviously that was at industry conferences and external conferences as well a lot of it was was company specific stuff but again you you get that reputation for being a a lively speaker i guess when i left big corporate and set up on my own as a consultant i did let it i did let it die down a little bit i was focusing on building my um, identity i was thinking about the process the offer and all of that sort of thing and then i realized that was missing it and decided that part of my proposition would be to get back into public speaking because it's a good way of keeping your name out there. It's a good way of of, of showing people what you're about and of, of putting out your own messages. Now, I can do that through video. I do do that through video. And I've got 180-odd episodes of the Marketing and Finance podcast out there as well. So people have um, got access to what I say and, and what what I do, but there's something just really quite special about speaking to a really motivated audience and 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 engaging with them and telling them stories. Um, I'm not a death by by PowerPoint person. I'm, I might have been thirty odd years ago, but uh, now I just tend to tell stories and and uh, and talk about marketing and simplicity and fighting complexity. And it, and it and it does help to bring clients in. People see you at conferences. They sometimes sometimes they give you a business card. Sometimes you just swap phone numbers. But it is a good way of building up um, contacts. Sometimes those contacts just lead to other speaking engagements. Um, 
but most of the time they do lead to some leads which will turn into um, into paying clients, which obviously is good. Yeah, certainly. I really admire how consistent you are about your message of simplicity across everything you do. It's 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 really really powerful, and yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> it, could learn a lot from that. Yeah, I, and I, I guess it's like anything. I do sometimes, you know, um, I, I recorded an episode of the podcast last week and I was sat there recording it. And I was thinking it was a solo show, this one, as opposed to an interview one. And I was sat there thinking, you know, how many times have I said this? And, you know, you, you, you have to bite your tongue and actually say, no, 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 no. Say it again, <laughs> because there's plenty of people that won't have heard it. And that is one of the problems when you work in a marketing team or if you work in marketing imagine you build you know you put together the world's best performing advert you know and it goes out and the public love it you know it's something like for mash get smash or whatever it might have been and the public love it and it performs really well but it's likely that if you were involved in the creation of that advert you may have lived and breathed it for 18 months and you might have gone through about 50 different iterations of it before you were happy with it so by the time it gets out to the public you're utterly sick to death of it yeah and your head your head thinks i want to go on and do something else but that's the wrong thing to do because the public are only just started to hear that jingle or that message or whatever it might be and it does take time for these messages to sink in so i'm constantly sort of picking myself back and saying no 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 don't don't move on yet because you know you're really only scratching the surface of this keeping marketing simple stuff because most people don't keep it simple they make it really complicated so you know i do sometimes think goodness gracious roger like a stuck record but i think sometimes we need to have stuck records until the message actually sinks in. Yeah. So where do you want Roger Edwards marketing to go? Um, I mean, you left big corporate, you've established a great little business. What, what does sort of the next five years look like for you? Oh, the famous where you, where do you see yourself in five years time <laughs> question? Um, it's, it's a difficult one. I always hated answering that question. Um, I, I'm coming up to to being mar- being married for 25 years. My son's just um, started his second year at university, and I, I guess I've been working in corporates for for 18, 19 years, and on my own for six years or so now. I don't really have any ambition to become some sort of, even if it was possible, some multimillionaire. Um, by writing some bestseller or to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk. That's just not going to happen. That's not 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 going to happen. I just want to continue to have a really good work-life balance. I want to continue to work with people who want to be engaged by marketing technology, to communicate simply, to do things differently, you know, to try and do things differently and probably carry on teaching body combat until my knees pack in. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, it at the moment we have a good work-life balance. I, you know, I've never been as um, relaxed in my work as I am now. Um, quite often I can, um, I can work a four day week. Um, I don't travel even, even though it may appear from my vlogs and the speaking engagements that I spend my life in airports. I don't travel half, even a quarter of much as, as, as much as I used to. I used to be up and down to London two or three times a week. Um, sometimes I would actually 
think about moving to Edinburgh Airport. Um, so, so actually, becoming self-employed, becoming—I won't use the word entrepreneur because I'm—I'm I'm a, I'm a consultant that does that does content marketing. That has really made my life more um, fulfilling because I don't have that daily stress that you often get in big companies. You know, the bureaucracy, the the the, the pointless processes. You know, all of these things happen and 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 it's fine and, and and people work and they get paid a good salary and they have they have good lives because of it but eventually you do get sick of it and i found my life to be a lot less stressful and a lot more fulfilling and a lot more laid back to be perfectly honest since i went out there and decided to to work on my own that's a really good message i think certainly less stress would be a very good thing for everybody particularly me I think I think we've got to be careful though, because you know I, I'd worked for twenty odd years, eighteen twenty odd years in corporate, and it was the right time for me to 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 make a change. The circumstances, I mean, I got voluntary redundancy, so obviously got a a, a bit of a payoff, which helped as well in the early stages of setting up the business. I certainly don't subscribe to the view that I see banded about that big companies are evil and everybody should try and leave companies at the first opportunity and start their own businesses because for some people... The time isn't right. The financial circumstances aren't right. For me, it was the right time and it was an opportunity I could take on board. But, you know, there are lots of really good companies out there who are fantastic to work for and people shouldn't be ashamed of working for those sorts of companies. Um, It's just if you are in a role where you feel that you're totally stressed out, that there's bureaucracy and, and red tape, then maybe you should think about how can I get myself out of this um, into something more interested? But if, you know, there are loads of companies out there that do all of the things I've been describing here about keeping things simple, and I guess they'd be an absolute joy to work for. Roger, you you mentioned you've got a book coming out at some point. You're in the midst of writing it. It would be yeah. great to have you back when you've got that written um, so we can help you unpack that and promote it for you. No, that would be, that would be absolutely fabulous. Um, at the moment, um, I'm, I I feel as if I'm about three quarters of the way through. It's nearly um, finished then. <laughs> it's nearly finished then. So when it's when it's when the thing's drafted, um, it'll need to be edited. Um, I tend to write by dictation, so I write I dictate into my into my phone. So uh, sometimes I'll, I'll one chapter will be in the first person, the next chapter will be in the third person. It's all over right. the place. So somebody needs to edit it. But the stories are good. The messages are good. And as you would expect, it's all about how to put together a marketing strategy without using the word strategy. Although, to tell you what, writing a book about strategy without using the word strategy is really hard. But deserves to do really well. Roger, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, if people no want problem. to find out more about you, how can they do that? Two places really, Bob. My website is rogeredwards.co.uk. It's R-O-G-E-R. There's no D in Roger. rogeredwards.co.uk. That's got the contact details, email address and everything on it. Or I'm really, really big on Twitter at Roger underscore Edwards. Follow me on Twitter. Let's have a chat. Let's exchange ideas. 
Twitter or website, that's the best place for, to find me. All right. Roger Edwards from Roger Edwards Marketing. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Roger is a great example of how focusing on simple things can make a big impact. You really should look him up online. His vlog is a thing to behold. He's a standout example of a practitioner who practices what he preaches. He's got a simple message which he delivers with sustained courage. He's always on the edge of his comfort zone and this pays off for him when his clients reach out to him rather than him being forced to go looking for clients. If you run a small or solo practice related to digital marketing, then I'd love you to get in touch. I'm really keen to interview listeners to the podcast, so no matter what stage your business is at, get in touch and let's have a conversation. Please come and join our Facebook group. I have some exciting things coming down the line, and if you join the group, you'll be the first to hear about them, as well as future podcast episodes as soon as they're released. Just check out the show notes or look on Facebook, search for Gravity Agency Power Up and you'll find us easily. Before you go, take a second to subscribe through your podcast player so you don't miss the next episode. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Roger for making the time for me and to you for listening. And see you next time.